Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome you into Full Slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. May or may not be headed towards a perfect 4-0 tonight on the College Hardwood, but who's counting? We bring in our jack of all trades and podcast producer and co-host Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven and also manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, how's it going, my man? It's going well. Excited for some NFL, despite, you know, some of these matchups looking really terrible on paper, but playoff football, so we'll be watching regardless. That is certainly what we're here to do, is talk some NFL wildcard weekend. And to your point, matchups don't look great, and I do feel like the league kind of invited some of this by subtracting a bye and adding a playoff team and the creation of the 2-7 game. Uh, we've really seen, I, I, I remember it was the Phillip Rivers Colts were a seven seed and gave the Bills a good game a few years ago. But that's the only 2-7 game that is uh, remotely competent in this format thus far. Uh, remember the Bears snuck through the back door in a 2-7 game against the uh, New Orleans Saints, but they were never in it. And then both of our teams were the seven seeds in their respective conferences last year. The Eagles getting blown out at Raymond James Stadium by the Bucks, and uh, Pittsburgh sneaking in only to lose going away against the Chiefs. So while I understand the super wildcard weekend format is all about money and more TV windows and more games, uh, it hasn't really it, it's really just still been a, a bye week for these two seeds still. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's one thing the NFL loves, it's making more money and providing more games. And sometimes that's really shitty for the fans, but we'll be uh, betting on it and probably watching every fucking minute of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're damn right. And so uh, we'll talk about the games nonetheless. And let's start in the Bay Area where we have one of those two seven games I mentioned, as it's the Seattle Seahawks who got in via the Detroit Lions' victory over the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field last week. They traveled to Division Foe, San Francisco, catching nine in the hook, a total in this game of 42. And, you know, it's important to uh, dispel some narratives. That's something that we'll get into. You hear it a lot this time of year, really, in any sport, playoffs. And, you know, certain players or coaches can get it done in the playoffs and others can't, yada, yada, yada. Um, One of the things you do hear a lot, uh, you hear it in – the NFL, and you know, uh, you can hear this in college basketball. We uh, mentioned that I've been betting a lot of college basketball lately. 
Uh, you'll hear this in conference tournaments in college basketball. Oh, how hard it is to beat a team three times if you play twice in the regular season and then you meet in the conference tournament. Well, that's what we have right here with Seattle and San Francisco. San Francisco winning the regular season matchups going away. And one of them was about a month ago in the Pacific Northwest. So it's a recent data point with Brock Purdy. 49ers won the game by double digits. Um, and Alex, I have a trend here that uh, supports backing the 49ers and laying the points. Uh, playoff teams who are favored by nine points or more are a perfect 8-0 against the spread in the wild card round. So, you know, I think that speaks to, you know, one thing we talk about a lot in the regular season about, you know, just generally being a little worried about laying points in the NFL uh, is because, one, the variance between the players usually isn't wide enough to at least, you know, lay double digits on, you know, upwards of 14 even uh, or, or something like that. But also uh, the motivation sometimes. And I think this is a big thing with the Chiefs when we always talk about how they don't cover these point spreads. The motivation isn't always there in the regular season for teams to garner a big margin. But that's a whole new ball game in the playoffs. In the playoffs, it's no nonsense. It's no, you know, you can't fuck around. You got to win in advance and you, you don't want to take your foot off the gas. And so I think that makes laying points a little less daunting. And, uh, you know, that's why I would lean towards San Francisco here, because, again, like we say, there's the adage, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season. But I think that more applies to division rivals where you look at the rosters on paper and it looks pretty close and maybe one team just nips them by a field goal a couple times or things like that. I think Seattle's a happy to be here type team. Go back to the beginning of the season. It was, Oh, who's their quarterback going to be? And, you know, why didn't they draft a quarterback? And, you know, how high are they going to be picking to get a quarterback? And of course the irony is they might still get a quarterback via the Denver pick, but uh, you know, nobody thought the Seahawks would be in the playoffs, and here they are. And San Francisco, on the other hand, is every bit the part of a Super Bowl contender. And, you know, so for that reason, I don't think you really look at the whole three times thing as uh, something that would really keep you off San Francisco. I mentioned the trend, which I think makes sense about uh, double-digit favorites in the wild card round. Uh, and the only reason I won't play it is, and I know you can get into this as well, the weather uh, looks like it's going to be really rainy in San Francisco. And, you know, usually conditions we associate with unders and underdogs on the basis that maybe it can muck things up for the teams. There's not as many points. And, uh, you know, not as many points makes the nine and a half more valuable. Certainly not playing Seattle. It's probably a slight lean to San Francisco, but I'll stay away. Yeah, I'm with you. I also lean the Niners. I might get there come Saturday, but nothing official for me yet. I was initially looking at the total, but the weather report did scare me off a little bit. But I don't know how much the rain will impact the Niners because they're going to run the ball a fuck ton regardless. So I think the rain kind of plays into that. Also, Seattle just lost Jordan Brooks, their starting linebacker for the season. That's a huge loss for a run defense that's just not very good already. And then this is a Niners run game. That's one of the best in the leagues. So definitely a strong lean to the Niners. 
maybe look to the Niners team total over 26 and a half instead of playing the full game 42. Just concerned about Seattle scoring enough. So I do think the Niners are going to put up enough points. I, I would probably look to the team total instead of my initial read of the full game over. All right, so some agreement there on the San Francisco 49ers side. Uh, and again, one of the unfortunately, there are some games like this where uh, things just it's, I know it's a playoffs, but, you know, in the regular season, we would be more quick to look past some of these games. And I think this is one that just doesn't get you all that enthusiastic. I do think there's an intriguing game in Duval on Saturday night, though, as the Los Angeles Chargers visit the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers are booked as a two and a half point road favorite total in this game of 47 and a half. And that's where I'm more interested. And it's the total, but particularly in the first half, I like it under 23 and a half in the first half. Just something I like to do in in, uh, every sport uh, for the most part. And that's when I see uh, teams that don't have a lot of playoff experience. I tend to think unders are good ways of fading those teams, thinking that they might be a little tight. Scoring might be a little bit harder to find. And, uh, you know, quarterbacks in particular in football, that's what we have here with playoff newbies, Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence making their first playoff starts. And I know it was Joshua Dobbs last week, but we did see the Jags defense hold its own and really keep them in that game early on when Lawrence and company in the first half in particular weren't looking all that hot. So I like the game under in the first half. I think some nerves and some tension in this game for both quarterbacks early on. A uh, little bit of a feel out would be my expectation. Uh, and the one thing that does concern me about this, although my thinking, or at least my hope would be this is more of a second half thing, given the penchant for Brandon Staley to just go for it seemingly anywhere on the field, that either means they keep drives moving or they give the ball to Jacksonville in good field position, perhaps, uh, which you never like as an underbetter. Uh, but I do. I think, again, it's just more of a uh, a system thing for me. Both quarterbacks may be a little bit uh, t- tense in the moment. And, you know, I know it's a night game, so you don't have the 10 a.m. body clock thing going for the Chargers here. But they are traveling across the country, uh, so perhaps a little bit slow out of the gate as well. I'll go under in the first half at 23 in the hook. I lean Chargers on the side for reasons that we talked about before we jumped on. This is a Chargers team that has a lot of talent, and most years they have talent, but they tend to choke and charger it up when they choke under the big pressure of the bright lights and things like that. And you look around the AFC right now, it seems like everybody's locking in that AFC neutral site championship game between Kansas city and Buffalo. And if it's not both of those teams, then I think a lot of people assume it will be one of those teams against the Cincinnati Bengals, the reigning AFC champs, not really much talk right now about the chargers. And I think that's a good thing. If you're a chargers fan, if you're a team, you know, if you're on the chargers, you probably like that. Uh, worth noting, by the way, it's not for this week, but if they can win this game, they might get Rashawn Slater back. Uh, and so perhaps going to Kansas City next week, that would make for a fascinating game against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round if we can get there. I hope we do because I think that would be interesting. But I do think the Chargers here are, are, are the side on the basis that, again, 
maybe a little more loosey-goosey, and, and I think that's a good thing for a team that's kind of known to choke. And we talk about kind of fading some narratives this week. Uh, this is one that uh, I, I definitely think is one that you don't want to buy into. Uh, Chargers, I think, maybe could make a run, and it starts on Saturday night in Jacksonville. But again, I like that first half under more than anything else here. I think that's a great way to approach it. I was looking at the full game under 47 and a half. But the way you explained it, I think that's a great look to go with the first half. I'll definitely be joining you on that. Saw that night games this season are 36 and 19 to the under. And then outdoor unders in the wildcard round are also very profitable. So I'll be doing that. I'll, I'm going to go first half under instead of full game. I like that angle. I think that's a great look. And then I'm going to be playing the Chargers. I just think they're the... Far superior team here. I am a little concerned about the coaching mismatch. You mentioned Staley. He just has a way of going for it all the time, probably in the wrong spots. And that can either backfire or, you know, you look like the smartest dude out there. Um, I just think they're going to expose this this Jags secondary that can be. And just, Jags down the stretch, they played absolutely nobody. Went against, you know, some bottom feeder teams, Davis Mills, Dobbs. And Dobbs was looking fairly competent until that defensive touchdown they allowed. Um, I just think the Jags haven't seen any offense like this in quite some time. And I think the Chargers are going to expose them. I really like them. This is one of my favorite sides of the week, but I definitely like that first half underplay i'll be joining all right well good to see some agreement there let's move on to the triple header on sunday beginning in western new york where i'm sure it could be an emotional scene damar hamlin discharged from a buffalo hospital this week so uh, you would think he maybe is at the game on sunday afternoon for buffalo as the bills are laying some big lumber here 13 and the hook buffalo favored by a total of 43 in the hook and um you know speaking of injuries uh, Tua Iloa ruled out early in the week. Doesn't look like Teddy Bridgewater is going to go. So that clears the way for another Skylar Thompson start for the Miami Dolphins at quarterback. And we saw Miami have all sorts of problems trying to move the ball and get some points last week in the must-win game against the New York Jets. Ultimately got it done, 11-6, to the final score. Uh, but it really is hard to chart out a path for Miami here. We talked about the... Uh, Favorites of nine points or more in the wild card round, undefeated against the spread. Um, you know, I, I can't argue with the point spread being where it's at. Uh, I do think this total, maybe given that, is a tick low. And I know you had a team total play that you were intrigued by. But uh, honestly, I think I'm even less interested in this than I am Seattle, San Francisco. Because at least with San Francisco, if I'm playing the big favorite, I'm still getting it inside of double digits. Uh, at 13 in the hook, you always worry about the back door. And, you know, it is worth noting that, again, while both games to attack of Iloa was available, the Dolphins were competitive in both winning one and losing down to the wire in Buffalo about a month ago, just before Christmas. So um, I'll, pa- I'll pass it. Uh, and I, I guess if I had to play the game, I would lean towards going over that 43 and a half. Yeah, that was my initial read as well. I can't quite get there with the Bills almost laying two touchdowns, even though it's 
going to be Skylar Thompson, who has looked awful. I mean, just looked miserable last week against the Jets. I'm really not confident in the Dolphins scoring much here. That's why I don't think I would want the full game over 43.5, but I was looking at the Bills team total over. So I think that is a good look. I think that's a way you can bet the side without laying two touchdowns. You know, you don't have to worry about that backdoor. Just root for the Bills to blow them out and put up a ton of points. But you don't have to worry about them covering the spread. I'm just worried the Dolphins won't be able to score enough here for the full game. They averaged 16.3 points per game without Tua. And then with him, they averaged 25.5 points per game. It's a huge difference. I'm just not confident in them putting up enough points for this to go over. So, yeah, I would look to Bill's team total over, if anything, in this. Yeah, I agree. That's a, a nice actionable alternative for everybody that maybe wants some action in every game for the weekend. That's probably the way I would look as well. Um, and, you know, I, we saw it last week with Buffalo. They get a pair of special teams touchdowns. They get a long ball from Allen to Diggs. They can score in a hurry and, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, make a, a team total, which I'm, I'm going to guess is going to be close to 27, 28, you know, maybe even a little higher than that. Uh, it, it, it makes it a little more palatable, I guess, would be yeah, the word. Yeah, it looks like 28 and a half yeah. is plus money at DraftKings, which <laughs> I could see them scoring in the 30s. And then, sure. you know, for the full game, can you get 14 points from the Dolphins? I'm not so sure. That's Right, yeah, makes sense. So might as well minimize your sweat. Let's go from the AFC East to the NFC East, where the New York football giants return to a familiar place. That'll be U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Of course, the Giants and Vikings squared off on Christmas Eve, and it was a 61-yard Greg Joseph field goal that got the Minnesota Vikings the victory after some heroics from Saquon Barkley got the Giants back into that game in the fourth quarter. And... Uh, the Giants are catching a field goal here, total of 48. It's my favorite side of the week. I love the Giants plus the field goal. I think they're definitely live on the money line as well. If you wanted to take the plus price, I would not fault you. Uh, a couple things here that I like. First off, uh, you have a Giants team that's rested, obviously. They uh, got a de facto bye week last week. Vikings played their guys for about a half, which I didn't really get against the Bears last week. And so, I, you know, I, I think that the bye week for the Giants now, you know, maybe it's not a huge angle because, as, as I said, the Vikings didn't really have a ton on the line. I guess they maybe thought they could do enough to keep the pressure on San Fran in the late window to hold all, hold them off for the two seed. And I guess that was the thinking there. But regardless, Giants fully rested uh, after a bye week, essentially, where they didn't have to play anyone against the Eagles. And I mean, I've just been waiting to fade Minnesota in one of these short line type point spread scenarios where they keep winning all these close games. And given that the Vikings always play close games, if you want to take points with their opponent, you're going to feel pretty good about it because it's either going to be a close game and that field goal is going to be awful valuable, or we've seen the Giants get blown out by Philadelphia and Dallas in the NFC East. And uh, also by Green Bay recently. So, uh, you know, I would not rule out the Giants winning this game by double digits. I think the Vikings have just been 
pretty fraudulent all year. Uh, but even if it's not by double digits, sooner or later, they're going to lose a close game. You know, they're, they're not going to possibly win every single close game the way they did in the regular season. Giants, absolutely live, in my opinion, to win this game outright. Uh, it just it just is honestly a, a spot where I think these teams are about even. And I would not look at the straight up records and put much value into them. We talked about it in the regular season with Minnesota when I think we were both on the Lions in a December regular season game where the Lions under 500 were favored at home against the Vikings. The Vikings are more like a 500 team, and that's what the Giants are. Games in Minnesota, their home field's probably worth about three. I'll still take the three on the basis that, like I said, I just can't see the Vikings continuing to win all these close games. Uh, I think the Giants are the upset of the week, and they will win this game, but I'm going to take the three just to be safe. I'm with you. Absolutely love the Giants. We love Danny Dimes as a road dog. He's 17 and 7 against the spread in his career on the road. Just one of the better quarterbacks on the road. And as an underdog, love this spot. Vikings, just one of the more fraudulent teams in NFL history. Minus three point differential is just outrageous. But they are 11 and 0 straight up in one score games. And when you have a spread of three, that would be one score. That's a little concerning. Kirk Cousins at home in the Dome. You know, not a night game. Something to consider. But I do think that the Giants are just the better overall team. What was that? I, I said it's not. Uh, I don't know if you know this. This is what they call him. The noon <laughs> nightmare. We're not oh, getting Yeah, I love that. Now, so that that is... Less concerning, for sure. If this was a 1 p.m. game, I'd be terrified of Kirk. Yeah, the noon, the noon nightmare. I love that. That's one of the better nicknames in the NFL. But I'm totally with you. I love the Giants here. I think they win this game outright. I think uh, we should just abolish the beginning of Cousins' career in Washington. That way, all of his 1 o'clock Eastern games could be noon Central, and it would just make more sense. But regardless, agreement on the side there with the New York Giants catching the field goal on the road. Let's go to Southwest Ohio, where the reigning AFC North champions and, excuse me, the reign, well, yeah, they won the division, but also the reigning AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals, look to begin their conference defense against the division rival as the Baltimore Ravens travel to Cincinnati, catching nine and the hook, total of 40 and the hook. And Alex, before we get into any gambling stuff here on this game, I just have to ask you, because it's been one of the biggest stories in the NFL this week, what do you make of what's going on with Lamar Jackson? Is this the PCL sprain that's legitimately just wearing on longer than everybody thought? Or is there some posturing perhaps from Lamar here protecting himself in advance of another offseason of contract negotiations? Could there be some underlying disdain for the organization that Lamar has? And, you know, is he kind of prioritizing his own personal feelings ahead of being out there? Uh, I don't think that's the case. I do think it's maybe a combination of him not being 100% and also not wanting to risk it because he's going to enter another offseason of contract negotiations. But I'm just curious kind of what you thought as to the Lamar situation this week as he appears to be out again. Yeah, I hate to, you know, 
go into conspiracy type of things like that, but I'm putting on my tinfoil cap for this one. I fucking absolutely believe <laughs> that he is milking this a bit. I'm sure he's, you know, he's not feeling a hundred percent, but if, you know, if he was fully bought in with, you know, long-term extension and feeling way more confident with this team and his situation, he would absolutely be out there playing. I guarantee that this feels like posturing for sure. I feel like he's not, you know, the team's obviously not 100% committed to him. So why would he go out there and risk it for a team that he might not even be playing for next season? Or they're going to franchise him and then he's going to, you know, potentially hold out and be very disgruntled. Clearly, there's a huge rift there in terms of contract negotiations that's been lingering all season. I think if he was, you know, way more committed to this team in terms of, his contract situation, he would definitely play in this game. I also think the other thing here that makes the whole thing harder to decipher is the fact that he isn't represented by anyone. And so no agent, like usually this is the kind of stuff where the agent would get out and issue some kind of statement and kind of try and handle things from a PR standpoint. And even if Lamar wasn't going to play, the agent would kind of be the front man for any of the kind of status updates that we were looking for. And he doesn't have an agent. And so we're just left to wonder what's going on. And then Lamar himself like puts out a couple tweets today. Like, I, you know, I just think the whole thing with him not having any representation makes it harder to know what's going on. Cause it's like, well, what the hell is the guy thinking? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's been, it's been rather quiet up until he put out that tweet today. Right. Saying, you know, that it's closer to like a grade three than a grade two, but who even knows, you know, the difference between that. It seemed like he was trending up and it seemed like he potentially could have played last week or they were hoping. And now it's just, he's not practicing at all. So Seems like we- he's not even going for it. When we do dig into the numbers here, though, you think the Ravens with Tyler Huntley are going to be able to be competitive enough here? And I I will say, if you do, then you should probably make two bets here and take Baltimore catching the nine and the hook and under 40 and the hook. Because while uh, Tyler Huntley can be functional enough to perhaps cover this number, if he does that, it's going to be in a low-scoring game. We did see, speaking of contracts, we did see Roquan Smith get a nice payday from the Baltimore Ravens this week. So, uh, you know, one of their studs on defense locked up there in Charm City. And that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to flummox Joe Burrow. They're going to have to run the ball. And they're going to have to have their secondary play really well against those Cincinnati wide receivers. So uh, if they can do enough of that and Tyler Huntley can protect the ball, then uh, Ravens and the under make a lot of sense. And I think that's where you're looking here, right? Yeah, exactly. I really like the under. I know it's super low, but, you know, last week that game should have went under. There was a defensive touchdown and then ultimately went over. Isn't there a trend on divisional unders? At least that's more of a regular season thing, but. Yeah, that's more regular season, but outdoor outdoor unders are good. Uh, outdoor unders are 22 and eight, but that's in non-divisional wild card games. Oh, and you the had something about aspect. unders in night games, right? It was a Sunday night. Yeah, game. 36 and 19 to the under so far this season in night games. 
And yeah, since I like the under, I really like the Ravens getting the points as well. I think Huntley is much more serviceable than Anthony Brown. And we saw last week Ravens lost by 11, and that was with giving the Bengals a defensive touchdown. And then that one play where the Ravens defender just got absolutely mossed by, by Jamar Chase. I think they can keep this within the number. I'm ultimately waiting. I'm hoping this gets to 10, maybe come Sunday. So I'm going to wait a little. I think there's only one way that this line is moving. I don't see it going down from nine and a half. I'm just hoping it gets to the key number of 10. Yeah, I just I like the Ravens in this spot. I think they're going to run the ball a ton. I think this is one of the bigger coaching mismatches. I think Jim Harbaugh is absolutely incredible. John Harbaugh. Fuck, yeah, John. God damn it. Hey, it sounds like Jim will be in the NFL <laughs> soon enough. Yeah, we'll be talking Jim somewhere next year. If he gets the perfect opportunity, I'm sure he'll jump ship quick. The Bengals, they lost their starting guard, Alex Kappa, last week, and he didn't practice today. That'd be a massive loss to a O-line that, you know, it was middle of the pack. Granted, they're a lot better than they were last season. They were like 31st. I think this season they're 16th. So pretty mediocre, much improved. But this is a great Ravens front. One of the best teams against the rush as well. Sell out, you know, make Joe beat them, which he definitely can. I just think 10 is too many points. We saw last week they were fairly competitive. That was with Anthony Brown, who I think is significantly worse than Huntley. Huntley, at least, you know, he's not going to sling it around, but he can hold on to the ball. He's not going to make those bad mistakes that we saw Anthony Brown make last week. I think they definitely can keep this within the number. I really like the Ravens here, but I am waiting, hoping to get 10. I'll take nine and a half come Sunday if it doesn't get there, though. Yeah, good points all around there on that game, Alex. I do want to back up. You mentioned the Alex Kappa injury. Another reason I kind of like that first half under in Chargers-Jags, Mike Williams has been dinged up for the Chargers as he's had a back problem this week. I think it flared up in the game last week against the Broncos when they stupidly had him on the field longer than they needed to have yeah, him. Yeah, Staley, what an asshole Staley is yeah. for even. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't improve their playoff position at right. all. You know, so he wanted to give them some reps, which is fine. Yeah, one drive, two drives. He played him well into the third quarter. What a what a dickhead. Yeah, so uh, perhaps a little bit more vanilla and a little more run heavy from the Chargers, which also makes me like that first half under in that game. But let's wrap up on Monday Night Football. Dallas and Tampa Bay wrapping up Super Wild Card Weekend. And I got to say, Alex, again, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the gambling here, I this is another thing that kind of grinds my gears uh just generally about this weekend why are we playing a monday night playoff game i mean this is a league that likes to talk about player safety and claims the bye week in between the conference championships and the super bowl is for player safety and guys getting healthy and now we're giving the winner of this game a short week for no reason whatsoever i understand that they have an extra day to prepare going into the game but if we're trying to make the playoffs the best they can possibly be why are we playing a game on a Monday night? It's not like 
the, you know, like people are going to say, oh, well, TV window, like it's the playoffs. You can play it whenever you want. Every game is a standalone game. Just do a pair of triple headers on Sunday and Monday. And that's that, or excuse me, on Saturday and Sunday. And that's that. So just a pet peeve. Yeah, how much better, how much better would that be too? Just three games on each day is awesome. You know, the yeah. same format of Sunday, one o'clock. Like o'clock, I'm good with Monday night football not being a thing in the playoffs. And this is also the only time they play on Monday night. Like divisional weekend will not have Monday games. Conference championships are not on Mondays. And of course the Super Bowl is not on Mondays. Like this one game being on Monday is just really dumb. Yeah, it makes no, I mean, it makes perfect sense in terms of money and ratings, but yeah, it doesn't make any sense for the teams. Yeah. And like ESPN, I think I saw today, like, they're doing a bunch of programming on Monday from Tampa. Like you can build it up into this whole spectacle. And it's like, well, I get it. That's why they do it. But, you know, from a team recovery standpoint and, you know, I, I think enough people know I'm an Eagles fan uh, listening to this. And I, I booked a flight. I don't live in Philly anymore, but I booked a flight to go back for the divisional weekend. And now I'm waiting to see if they're going to play on Saturday or Sunday, because if they get the winner of this game, they're sure as hell not playing Saturday because they're not making the winner of this game go Monday to Saturday. So um, just something that I don't like about the playoff schedule. But, hey, I don't make it, and I'll still watch. So with that said, Dallas laying two in the hook, total of 45 and a half. And we talked a lot about narrative busting, and you get a whole bunch of narrative talk come playoff time. And sure enough, we're getting a lot of that with this game, the Tom Brady 7-0 and against the Cowboys stat has been out there a plenty. You hear an awful lot about the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy's seat being warm and Jerry Jones going on his radio show and talking about how he, you know, Mike McCarthy's job is safe. And, you know, I'm sure that there will be all sorts of Sean Payton talk on all the shows on Monday that are based out of Tampa leading up to this game. All of that said, Dallas is just a substantially better football team than Tampa Bay. And, you know, I'm willing to even look past the season opener this year between Dallas and Tampa, in which Tampa won 19-3 and Dak Prescott got hurt. Dak's thrown a pick in seven straight games. That's another narrative, you know, mainstream thing that's out there this week when talking about this game. That is a legit concern. You don't want to give away the ball, particularly in the playoffs. And it is a good defense that he's up against in Tampa Bay. Um, but let's not forget that Tampa is just a mediocre football team. And as Bill Parcells says, you are what your record says you are. And I don't think there's anything deceiving about Tampa's record. They've had all sorts of offensive line problems all year long. And when you have an immobile quarterback like Tom Brady, that's going to be problematic. Let's not forget that this was a Dallas defense that, particularly in the middle of the season without Dak Prescott, really played ex- exceptionally well. And I could see the Dallas defense doing the same thing here against a dinged up and just not very good Tampa Bay offensive line. So I don't think that, and that's been the big problem is Tampa just in the games that it's lost, the Bucs haven't been able to score enough. And that's kind of how I see this game going. Uh, Maybe it turns into a nice audition for Dan Quinn and some head coaching interviews that he is sure to have in the coming weeks, the Cowboys DC Uh, And again, I'm not buying the Brady versus the Cowboys narrative or the Cowboys in the playoffs narrative or McCarthy going to choke narrative, whatever it might be. Dallas is is simply, you know, as square as it sounds, they're just simply the better football team. And that's, I think, not getting enough attention paid its way because of the fact that it's the Cowboys. And, 
you know, they're the butt of a lot of jokes. And <laughs> trust me, I won't hesitate to make fun of the Cowboys. But when it comes to my wallet, all tickets cash the same, whether it's your, your team or your team's biggest rival. Cowboys minus two and a half for me. I'll play it. I'm with you. I, I like the Cowboys a lot here. I think this line feels a little short. It's probably a result of them looking very mediocre down the stretch and getting absolutely embarrassed week 18. You know, Dak has looked terrible, throwing so many interceptions in the second half of the season. But I just think this is the significantly better team. I really like the Bucks or Cowboys front against that Bucks line. And then it can't be said enough, but Tom Brady, he's getting old. He doesn't like these night games anymore. Two and thirteen against the spread in night games with the Bucks. Two and sixteen against the spread in his last eighteen starts at night. There's definitely something to that. That's not a small sample size. I really think there is something there in terms of him just not being ready in night games. I mean, he probably goes to bed at like eight p.m. Now he has to play a full game at eight p.m. Even even single Tom Brady going to bed early. Yeah, I think he might have a new girlfriend. That he probably is still going to bed at 8 p.m. He's got to be uh, up early, crunching film or whatever he does, doing his doing his uh, Tom Brady diet, not eating tomatoes and such. So to to be playing at this level this long, I think you got to go to bed that early. I think he'll be rather sleepy for this game. I also like the under a lot. I think this is a another good spot for the under in terms of a night game, and then two really stout defenses, and you're going to see a lot of running from both teams, I think, take the pressure off your quarterbacks. I, I, I like this a lot. really like the Cowboys, and then definitely lean the under. Last point on the Cowboys side for me that I forgot to make. Uh, we always like to say nobody's as bad or as good as they look in any one week. And, you know, I personally, as much as – like you could talk me into fading a team off a really good week. Sometimes I even like more to bet on a team after a really bad week on the basis that particularly a team with as much talent as the Cowboys, they're not going to lay back to back eggs. And we saw the Cowboys just look totally checked out for most of that game against Washington last week, a game that they did need. So uh, I, I have a feeling a bounce back is coming for Dallas and they win this game. I'm with you. Hate to root for him, but like you said, all tickets cash the same. Let's go Cowboys. We done boys. I say that, but uh, <laughs> I will gladly cash my ticket on them. He's Alex Elplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod. I'm Greg Frank at undercover Greg. Can now report it was a perfect night on the college hardwood as Washington minus the short number gets home for me. So I was happy about that. College hoops uh, taking more and more of, I think, everybody's appetite now that college football is over and it'll be the NFL playoffs and college basketball for the next few months. Alex, always fun, my man, and enjoy the weekend. And let's hope at least one. Let me ask you this. If I had to, if you had to take one of the ugly dogs to win outright. I'm guessing you would say the Ravens because you're on them anyway, but Baltimore, Miami, or Seattle? Yeah, I think I think the Ravens. 
not just because I'm on them. I just think they have the most well-rounded team. I, I, I don't give the Dolphins a AFC shot. North thing up, right? Yeah, exactly. They play super tough every single game against each other. I don't think the Dolphins have a chance at all. The Seahawks are concerning. I don't know how they're going to score enough points to win that game. It would take, you know, just Brock Purdy finally laying that egg that we've right. been waiting for. It'd be like, you know, the three interception type of game, which is certainly possible. We've been waiting for that's, it. That's the thing with Seattle. As good as Kenneth Walker is, Gino had an amazing year. And I feel like when they were scoring, it was because he was slinging it around. And I just don't see him having a huge game there. No, I don't either, especially in the rain. I think that kind of neutralizes the Seahawks throwing it all over the field. And then that Niners pass rush is going to be disrupting Geno the entire game. Yeah, I I think Baltimore has has a chance to win outright. I might sprinkle it a little, but ultimately, I don't think any of these underdogs are going to win. All right, there he is again, Alex Uplinger. My name is Greg Frank. Everybody enjoy Wild Card Weekend. And we'll talk to you again for the divisional round, Alex. Let's be well and catch tickets. Sounds good, buddy. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week on the divisional round. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. And, of course, please play responsibly.